Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Have a Drink, the Silly and Superb podcast where we sit back, relax, and have a drink. Bingo, bango. Welcome back, everybody. You switched up a little. We'll switch up you, this week. I noticed that whenever we switch and change things up, you don't know when to like your, your time. No, because I'm usually the person that introduces it. Otherwise, like I trip over it a little bit more. You but do, you know what? It's do. fine. Well, nobody would have often and we'll nobody nobody noticed but when i go when i go uh episode of you're like my turn go <laughs> and speak <laughs> welcome back everybody it's like that episode of brooklyn 99 where uh <laughs> rosa's in like the competition for the stroller for amy mm. and she's like been up so long that she has to like out loud instruct her body to do things because her brain just isn't communicating <laughs> yeah. where she's yeah, yeah, like yeah. okay like switch hands grab cup you know, sip. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Link. Oh my goodness. Um, sometimes I got to do that too. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we have a super fun episode for you guys. This we do, week. guys. Um, as you can tell by the title, it is a rabbit hole, which is Ryan's absolute favorite. Curtis told me a little while ago, he's like, okay, well, we have, we were playing with, as you guys know, we usually record Monday, Tuesdays, depending. And I actually had the Tuesday off. And he was like, you know what? We're trying to figure out what to do, what to record. And he's like, how about we save it for tomorrow? Because you're off tomorrow. And before he even finished his sentence, I knew what, where he was going with it. I was like, you want to do a rabbit hole? So then I told him to pick because we had a convo a couple well, so times. A few, a few, a while back, I should say a few weeks, a yeah. while back, we thought about, okay, this season we need to do a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought, well, you've picked a lot of good topics. Mm-hmm. This and was like especially after the the uh, last one that I did where I talked about the the Sauter family case. Yeah, and so like that was more of a niche uh, sort of topic mm-hmm. that you had a lot of, uh, you know, well, you use Numora. So then yeah. I took the approach. I'm like, well, how about we do something that like I am a little bit more interested in? Yeah. And you kind of just rabbit hole. So something that you don't know a lot of. This one obviously was not the case. But no, it wasn't the case. Something that I'm a little bit more Suck. interested in going forward because that yes. one I became interested but i didn't but it's it's hard to like feel a little bit more excited invested and and sometimes to be able to like bounce back and forth on a few things if you were completely unfamiliar right yeah i noticed that where like you know um stuff like because i was going back through and i realized i was like damn i've covered some like really niche stuff um the ghost watch one you really hadn't like that that was tough i was like whereas at least like yes you weren't super familiar with true crime cases and zodiac killer at least you had like i think at that point we had already watched zodiac and like done a review on it right. um you we had like talked about it before like at least you like knew about like you know even me just watching about true crime cases like what kind of questions to yeah. ask about it all that sort of thing so so, so usually when that happens um you know oh, our, so what we did was we said next rabbit hole you pick and you tell me and then i will do the research of the topic that you're looking forward to yes, and like this is what i said to you right yeah yeah so then like ryan said earlier Whenever we record, when she's off of work the day we're recording, it's always like, let's do a rabbit hole. And if we can align it that way, we align it that way. We try. So this is the one. And we have a really, really fun topic this week. Mm -hmm. Um, I picked it. Yes. Uh, This one was one where I was like, I Googled conspiracies like just words yeah. like and honestly the best way to describe it, it's funny that you say that because one of the po- i'll get into more of my sources and all of that once yeah. we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode um i do want to kind of like not say anything about it till after the intro um but it's honestly that's a really good point that you bring up because it was mentioned in one of the sources that i um listened to today is a little hinty hint 
um, was, yeah, it's referenced as kind of like a form of a conspiracy theory, essentially, because of the things that it's like connected yeah. to. So. And I looked up, you know, the most popular conspiracies because I thought it'd be nice for this rabbit hole to be more uh, something that people have heard about. More accessible, Maybe yeah. they're so interested in this conspiracy. Yeah. I am a big fan of like the Area 51 stuff, anything yeah. space related, yeah. um, stuff like that. And, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I maybe I get her to go on a deep dive about like flat earthers and like. Oh my god! But I was like, that would just get you angry. I here's the thing: is it's really funny that you mentioned that because, like, I've 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 listened to a few things now that involves the flat earther conspiracy theory stuff, and it just it's one of those things where like you feel like you're just having a very frustrating conversation. Talking about just goes, you know, but 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 look at that it's like no but like the, the yeah that's things that's in science did. but it's like but look at that and it's like okay and also i wasn't interested in finding out why these people are more dumb than i already know they are i honestly and it's really funny is you have so so many of these guys try and like prove their own theories that they yeah. actually prove that the earth isn't yeah they had like quadrilling themselves at some point 100%. and it's just it's one of those things where it can get very um like if we ever were to cover it flat earth there's this like a great way to also be able to show how people can get radicalized on the internet into specific conspiracy thought true flat earthers is like one of it's almost like a gateway conspiracy theory to like really get into all this other stuff because you usually will find that people involved in flat earther conspiracy theory end up believing or being a part of other conspiracy groups that are very yikers yeah so so anyways, we have uh, a conspiracy theory uh, of sorts, of sorts uh, topic. Theory slash cultural phenomenon. description of the of the episode two and get it before we uh, jump in. But and it'll be like, King that, get it we have a total opposite end of the spectrum of the t- category. Oh, with this really nice, refreshing, and lovely looking um, beer. beer this week. Yes, yeah. absolutely. What do we got this week? So we have a tropical flute. Uh, fl- flute. Jesus Christ. Already. Okay. Let's start. Let's start again. It's a tropical fruit pale ale from Lake of Bays Brewing. It's called Next Stop, um, and it's infused with tropical fruit flavors. It's described as a flavored beer. Um, so while Curtis pours and takes a sip so he can talk about it while I uh, sip mine, it's actually infused with tea kettle, which I'm assuming it's like fruit, some sort of like fruit tea or fruit flavors. Um, so probably more like hibiscus or herbally type. Probably. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. So next stop. Calling all Daydreamin' fans, which haven't we had Daydreamin' by them before? I think so. Okay. This tropical fruit pale ale will leave you feeling peachy about your next stop, wherever that may be. Medium golden appearance with a peach aroma leads to notes of hibiscus and honey in the body. This brew finishes with fruity and full... Oh, sorry. This brew finishes fruity and full with hints of chamomile and rosehip, which is probably where the tea kettle part comes Didn't in. I just say it probably has hibiscus? Yeah, I know. I'm too good at this. I know. Uh, so... On here, it says um, that the malts in here are two-row pale, pilsen, flaked wheat, and the hops are Cascade and Azaka. Cascade's a good hop, um, very light, uh, much more like sort of on the, again, the hibiscus side, the more of the uh, herbaly side, which is good. I didn't get a sip yet, so while you, uh, I guess. I've poured already, dude, so if you want to. This is, I honestly, I picked this one out. This can design is really sort of just like bright. Yeah, uh, I can describe it while you take a sip. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so it's it's this like beautiful light blue background um, with this like gorgeous like um, female figure with her hair is like this like perfect like golden sun yellow um, and it kind of flows up and then I keep hitting my filter on my mic, <laughs> um, but it kind of like flows up past the logo and it's got all these great kind of like 
you know, vacay travel imagery, palm trees, you know, a surfer on a bike. It's got like destination points, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just like a really fun kind of like travely, beachy, uh, vacay vibe on the can, which is really fun. Yeah, I think it was a day when it was like very spring weathery or close to, and I was like, I gotta grab this. And we have very much enjoyed our fruity uh, ales uh, or even oh, yeah. sours and stuff. Like I love them a lot because they're, you know, we we like you know the blueberry wheat beers that we get. They're very weedy, they're very fruity, yes. and they're very refreshing. Um, this one is no exception to that. Like that, the tropical fruit flavors are like toned down quite a bit and it literally tastes like a tea fruit beer like it's so it's so accurate to what they're describing it as i don't know how else to explain it no it's it's really great it feels like kind of like you know those like tea lemonade drinks minus the lemonade yeah that you'd get at like starbucks yeah it feels like that but like with beer yeah literally it's like a black tea tropical that's literally what it is yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what i'm yeah exactly if you guys have ever had like a hibiscus tea or you know a black cherry you know tea from starbucks a cold tea even yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. this is that but beer well like, like you can get like their like black tea like iced teas with um like peach juice and like cane sugar and stuff and like yeah yeah it yeah that's exactly those vibes it it's very like this was definitely one that i'll be able to like sip on quite a bit which is good because like it's a an episode where we all know i chat a lot so this is uh, it's fun when you chat a lot in episodes i'm like we need a timer for like a five minute for you to take a break I know. Me to like be able to say some stuff. Say something. Yeah. And you to sip. I also so. promised Curtis, I was like, I was mostly done my research. I was listening to um, just like a little, I used a couple of podcasts as some sources uh, for this episode. And I was listening to one of the final episodes and like kind of wrapping up just for any extra quick points I wanted to plug in. I had majority of everything down. And uh, I, I went into the office and told Curtis, and I was like, I'm really excited for this episode. I tried to structure all my point form notes so that I wouldn't go off topic. But there's a few things where I definitely feel like I might go off topic a little bit, but we'll get back on track quickly. Just, if your your notes, I know, are always really good. So as long as they hit a yeah. point, then you won't get off topic. Yeah. Just make sure you're hitting your point. Mm-hmm. Again, the biggest thing that I love is that I ask crazy, stupid questions. And no, it's that's great where we, because that's you may have a question that somebody has. But this is a really fun topic, guys. A lot of you guys will know it. Fun Um, and kind of infuriating, but we'll get there. That's also very true. Um, And to listeners that we know are listening, um, we'll be a a part of, you know, probably a life that you lived, you know, some scenarios that you're witnessing this uh, firsthand. So um, hope you guys buckle up, uh, enjoy. Hope you guys have a drink of your own. Um, you may need one yeah um and hopefully the weather's great and you guys can enjoy it uh it's getting better for us here in southern ontario yes Um, slowly but surely we're getting our springtime yeah um i did have something to talk about oh i'm so sorry but uh let's see if we have time at the end of the episode sounds good there let's get this freaking ball rolling i'm so excited to chat and uh let's roll that intro roll it let's have it And welcome back, everybody. Welcome. So I did have one thing to say, but firstly, no, go ahead. Um, because we are recording this, and I don't like belated uh, celebrations and congratulations. I'm going to give a uh, beforehand 
Happy birthday to my mom. Yes. And your best friend, Jess. Yes. Uh, big quick, if you guys are listening, if not, whatever. Yes. Uh, but happy birthday to those, those two. It's their birthday on the weekend of yeah. uh, of April 1st. Literally, it's, yeah, yeah, it's back to back. It's going to be, it's going to be some cra- back-to-back craziness for it. It's funny that we're celebrating Jess's birthday on, on my mom's birthday. Yes, and then my celebrating mom's celebrating was on Jess's birthday. birthday. I know. I think that's really hilarious. It, it's really cute. It's really fun. Um, so we have a really fun weekend uh, to spend a uh, year off work. Both guests always. on the podcast both, as well. Both have been on guests on the podcast. That's why I mentioned it. So I was like, oh, yeah. you, they know them. Yes. Um, so yeah. Uh, I know her. <laughs> big happy birthdays. Uh, and uh, anyways, okay. Yeah. So that. topic. What are we talking right. about? Guys, so. Right, talking about. I was so like shocked and like pleasantly surprised. Curtis comes up to me and he goes, babe. And I was like, yes, babe. Don't ruin this story. <laughs> Can't have um, so, so I I know. I got this. So just don't make me laugh. Um, and I was like, okay, what's up? And he goes, um, I have a topic idea. And I was like, okay, shoot. Like, what do you want me to do? Uh, and he goes, I want you to talk about the satanic panic. And I was like, holy yeah, shit. Up. How do you know you one of anything about wanting to mention the satanic panic? Of the 80s and 90s. And so I basically said, you know, I've heard my fair share yeah. of stories. And the main thing that I knew about it was uh, you mentioned it a lot. And mm-hmm. in our uh, Stranger Things reviews, yeah. we talked about it a couple of times. Yes. And I was sort of, uh, that was me kind of being um, introduced to I'm that pretty part. sure, yeah, because I got really fired up about it while we were watching. And I explained a little bit to you. And then I'm pretty sure I got even more fired up on the episode. Yeah, there was a lot season. of times where you were like, oh, this is this I could reality in that time. Go on about it. Yeah. So I do touch on that again a little bit later um, and kind of reference a few other things that provide some really great examples of um, kind of the cultural effect that this, the best way to describe it would be like a societal phenomenon yes. that like hit people. Yes. Like, um, anyway. Yes. So for um, anybody who listens who was like either a young kid or even a teenager in the 80s and 90s, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about the satanic panic. For those of you who weren't or were apparently living under a rock, um, <laughs> basically... Well, well, I actually don't really know either. That's fair. I mean, honestly, we were born in 96, so yeah. I don't expect... a. I know what it really I didn't really start finding out more about what it was and like everything that entailed until later on anyway. Because at that point, things had started to um, not be quite as like fervorous as it was at the start. Great word. Really, really bad. Yeah, great word to use. Thank you. I think I used it a couple times in my notes. Okay. Um, (laughs) But basically, the Satanic Panic um, was a much bigger phenomenon and really hit its peak in the 80s and 90s, um, particularly in the U.S., um, and basically just revolved around this obsession and genuine like fear that people had that there were these satanic cults across the United States that were doing like child sacrifice and abuse and ritual, you know, like murders and things like that in order to do, you know, praise Satan, summon Satan, rituals, whatever. other rituals yeah. to provide things that are like the Satan, provide, like all this other stuff in connection with Satanism. There was a, a true obsession with Satanism and the threat that it posed the to everybody. Point, point of life. Especially all the good Christians in the United States. Yes. So, um, she said, <laughs> I will get there. Anyways, um, so basically, yeah, that's the general gist. Um, a lot of the origins and kind of like 
the the phrase I use is like rumblings of the satanic panic um, lies, I think, in a lot of general uh, generational disconnects between the people who were like kids and teens in like the 80s and 90s, the things that they were starting to get interested in, the kind of counterculture that that rose there with like the metalheads and, you know, um, people involved in what like things that were like described as a cult, like Dungeons and Dragons, like nerdy shit. Fast like that. the world moved at that time. Exactly. Like, you know, and you have a lot of very like conservative parents who are still kind of or even people who maybe it's like, you know, essentially hippies who are now backtracking and their ki- they were raising their kids in the 80s and they were part of a counterculture and like saw some shit. Um, you had this very like weird disconnect uh, um, and a lot of. Um, like interests and things coming out of that generation of kids that felt very other to the generations before them. And that fear of otherness played a big role, um, as well as just a general religious zeal. I th- the, around this time, it was very much of kind of almost like a backtrack from, you know, the kind of the larger like free love and hippie movements. And you right. saw a, a big rise in like conservatism, especially with like Ronald Reagan. Um, yeah, and like being president, in, like the well, I noticed like that. a lot when when I kind of watched. It was more of like it was yes, the older generation in the eighties, nineties, but not even like older like forties. It was more like the fifties, fifty year olds and sixty year olds in that time that were much more honestly not even because really? what it it was a very much a mixture. I'd it will get to it, but okay. it, it was very much you could feel that like people who were like raising children had children in this time period had a genuine and not everybody mind you this is just like a more of a like kind of a blanket thing there just seemed to be much more of a fear obsession with eccentric. like yeah, children being um victimized and then also like people targeting children and young adults who seemed like they were the ones that were right. doing the victimizing um so despite all of these overarching things that very much contributed to the origins there are two um kind of direct links that really fueled the fire that I want to touch on really quickly before I get into a couple cases that really described and there were a ton of cases like an ungodly amount ironically enough um pun intended I guess um but there are two specifically I want to focus on that if uh, one I've heard of and kind of learned more about while doing the research the other one I know a lot about because it's been very focused in my kind of true yeah so tell the one you don't know much about first and then let's get deep diving so that's what that's the order i have but quickly i'm just going to touch on two people that were um very instrumental in kind of fanning the flames um one of them is mike warnke now last podcast on the left um actually i'll get into my sources really quickly before i get into this because i reference all of them yeah um so for in preparation for this episode i and a couple of these episodes i had already listened to um two of which i listened for the first time for this thing uh, last podcast on the left, they do a fantastic amount of research. I've talked about them before on our podcast. Um, I have been a fan of theirs for quite a few years now. They did a two-parter on Mike Warnke, who I'll touch on very quickly. But if you are even remotely interested or even remember him or hearing about him um, from when you were younger, I definitely recommend listening to their episodes because they really do describe kind of how much of a role he played and kind of all the bullshit surrounding him. Uh, then they did two, a two-parter episode on just the satanic ritual abuse panic um, and really talked about um, a couple cases, uh, one of which I will be touching on. Um, and then I do touch a little bit is their uh, West Memphis 3 episode series. I recommend listening to all of it. I specifically focus on episode one because of what it covers. Um, and then there was also a New York Times article and an article on Vox um, that I actually like pulled a lot of information from. 
So the one from New York Times was written by Alan Uhas, and it's called It's Time to Revisit the Satanic Panic. And the one from Vox is uh, from Aja Romano, and um, it's titled Why the Satanic Panic Never Really Ended. So that'll kind of round out the last half of my of like the episode, basically. Um, okay, so first and foremost, White, uh, Mike Warnke, best way to describe him, um, it, well, he was more so well known as being like a quote-unquote Christian comedian. Um, he got popular from having shows that would start off with like really goofy, relatable sets and then would essentially evolve, devolve, depending on how you look at it, into sermons on the dangers of Satanism. His ex, quote-unquote expertise in Satanism and Satanic ritual abuse um, and how to fight against it and how he fights against expertise it. Expertise and how to fight against Quote-unquote oh, expertise. Um, so he, over time in his career, made many compla- uh, many claims of his involvement in the world of Satanism, but he actually was like very involved in some high-powered cults um, starting in like 1965. It's funny, in the uh, last podcast episodes, they at one point talk about like the time that he says he starts, it's like his kind of initiation into the world of quote-unquote satanism uh the way as he saw it um was um it was like a five-week period he starts college tries marijuana for the first time gets hooked on heroin uh, uh heroin and then immediately is just like balls deep into a satanic cult and then witnesses like child sacrifice and like other crap like that all of it's been debunked by the way um, all of his claims, ba- like basically all of his claims that have to do with being involved in any of this scene and witnessing all of these crimes. Either he was nowhere near when any of this happened. A bunch of the historical things that he says that like he can that like he references when talking about his history within like um, his Wait, satanic so he cult. claims that that's what happened to him. Like he claims that he witnessed all that or was a part of it and that he like was very involved. But like half the stories that he tells are like at wrong points in history right. and like couldn't have possibly happened. Uh, let alone the fact that the way that a lot of when it comes to the, the satanic panic that Satanism is described and like how like the rituals involved in Satanism are not even remotely what is actually the goal with people who like actually are involved with like the Church of Satan and practice Satanism. That is not what any of it is. It's much more mystical kind of like vi- occulty mystical yeah, it's vibes. Than, it's more than just. It's not, no, it's not even more than, it's just no, like, there is no proven crimes, sacrifices, nothing. They don't do that. I'll get into it further, but, like, that's... Well, they thought they did, but, like, that's not what Because people made a profit off of and had a vested interest in saying that that was the case. Yeah. Because also, at this time period, there was a lot that was still unknown, and I'll get into it a little bit more, um, about, like, you know, a lot of these crimes that are being witnessed... Um, there's still a lot unknown about um, motivations behind why these sorts of crimes happen. So they needed some sort of explanation. Okay, well, this is super evil. And what is like the biggest like source of evil, especially for like, you know, God-fearing communities and people who are part of the Christian faith? Oh, Satan. Satan's the root of right, evil. Right. So now you get into the point of this is why you're blaming. Got- um, so he continued to per- uh, perpetuate many misconceptions about actual Satanism and feeding off of fear, especially for Christians, as I said. Um, and as he gained popularity, he was taken more and more seriously by these people. He was invited to speak at various events and locations. And um, he even, there's like instances of him assisting law enforcement and teaching them about it. Give me a For break. law enforcement officials who actually believed what he was saying. Right. And so then they could trust. Yeah. 
Um, millions of dollars in some cases have been spent by police and prosecutors because they legitimately thought that this was happening, that, that this was an explanation. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Wow. Um, another big kind of focused area is um, from a book called Michelle Remembers. Um, anyone from that time would probably know it. It was a huge like bestseller. Um, a Canadian psychologist uh, and his former pa patient um, wrote and published in 1980 this book. And basically it details all of her repressed, recovered memories of her being victimized and involved with the satanic cult and like witnessed all these like awful things and had these awful things done to her. Um, arguably one of the most influential and dangerous books, especially with regards to the satanic panic itself. Um, the all, claims were almost immediately started to get challenged because of how controversial they were. And as time went on, basically all of it got debunked, like during times where she was like claiming to be like locked in like cellars and places and being like trafficked across wherever she was literally in school documented in British Columbia, like fully fine functioning within the world. Um, and repressed memories and things like recovered memories, uh, widely disproven now as something that can be viable, usually ends up being the case of suggestion um, and sublimation from right. like, the actual process of hypnosis and um, like doctors trying to like ask the questions for it because it usually ends up being very leading. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, big root of like how crazy all the shit gets is is that is people not understanding the influence of authority figures and the human memory yeah um we didn't understand a lot about human memory like think about it now like eyewitness testimony largely discounted in most cases unless it's corroborated by right. some sort of other physical evidence right. um because of how unreliable we are and 100%. how unreliable the human percent and also how like you know yeah there's so much that yeah. can go wrong in that process yeah, too exactly right? Um, so that all being said, I'm going to kind of quickly, well, quickly ish, um, go over a couple cases, um, that will kind of delve a little bit more into the consequences and some of like yeah. the, um, things behind it. So first and foremost, I'm going to talk about the McMartin preschool case, which is probably arguably one of the most like prominent, popular, I guess you could say well-known cases within this whole like cycle of like um um satanic ritual abuse scandals um so i had heard about this case in passing when actually walking watching a documentary film uh about the nightmare on elm street franchise because in the first movie when they like they ended up doing uh, some editing and like rewriting to really downplay freddy krueger's background as like a child abuser and murderer because this abuse scandal was so big in the news because it was between like 83, 84 when things really started to ratchet up for all these allegations coming out, investigations happening. And the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie was released in 1984. Okay. So when that happened, they were kind of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about this as much. Like he's just going to be this like dream kind of killer. We're not going to oh, focus on like why he got killed and became this like vengeful dream killer. Um. So the, it, it's just interesting to see how like things like that not only societally but pop culturally can affect so much um but yeah so like i said i had heard it in passing um but other than this i didn't really listen to it much until i actually listened to um the last podcast episodes about the west memphis three because uh and mike warnke actually uh because they reference the mike martin preschool case twice and they talk a little bit more about it in their 
satanic uh, abuse episodes, but I hadn't listened to those yet, um, which I listened to for this case. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was like slowly bits and pieces, and then I started to understand, and then I did my research and uh, in a couple of the articles that talked about McMartin as well. So basically, um, in the summer of 1983, a woman from Manhattan, Be- Manhattan Beach, California, um, accused an employee at her son's preschool, McMartin, uh, of abusing him. So up until this point, what it should be known about this original accuser is that she was later proven to be very mentally ill um, and kind of seemed to... That was another thing. And basically, like, was a little bit overly preoccupied with the potential for her son being abused, that she projected the possibility of abuse onto him. Um, And all of the, like, other employees at the preschool started to get targeted because of her obsession with this. And she, like, like grilled her son. Mind you, her son's in preschool and she's grilling her son about who hurt you, what do they do to you, do they do this to you, do they touch you here, what do they do, where do they take you? Like, of course, you're just going to say some shit. Exactly. And you're going to say something because you and eventually you're just going to tell this person uh, of authority, your mom, what she wants to hear at some point, just so you can go do something right. else. It's going to be yes for everything. Like Exactly. Yeah. So anyways, that's the whole kind of thing. So she's been largely discredited and obviously it's been later discredited, but uh, I'll get into a little bit more. So the police, after this initial like accusation, sent a letter to about 200 families that also had kids at the preschool. Um, asking for their help with the investigation. In the article by Alan Uhas uh, for the New York Times, the letter was described as a model of what not to do by a professor, John, John Myers, at the University of California. Um, and he is also a lawyer who like represents um, abuse victims as well, I believe. Uh, but yeah, he basically said it was like a, a model of what not to do when investigating these sort of cases. Uh, the authorities also asked therapists to help interview hundreds of children. They questioned these children for hours at a time, often asking leading questions, suggestive questions. Preschool another kids. Yes. And another thing, whether it be like preschool or even slightly older, is you, you these kids are like bored. They're being asked the same questions. Eventually, they're just going to start to tell you what like what they you want to hear. Because they're going to start realizing. There's also like proven facts of like they'll get rewards. They'll yes. get bribed. Oh, we'll get you a snack if you just tell us what well, they did to you. Did yeah. they do this to you? Um, there's also, um, like other instances of like these, like, uh, nonverbal cues of, you know, of, like officials, like shaking their head or nodding along when like they're hearing stuff they want to hear versus that they don't want to hear. And it kind of feeds into the like coercive strategies, leading strategies. Oh, kids are so smart that way too, right? Like- well, not so smart, just impressionable. And like, they just will see the easy way out because kids are very in tune to very, nonverbal yeah. communication. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, these are all things that were like, you know, not necessarily maybe realized at the time, but like in hindsight with a lot of experts now, they're going, yeah, of course they said these things for X, Y, and Z reason. You're, you know, bribing them with, like treats you're you know giving them recognition attention or you're putting them in a position where they're going to tell you what they want to, what you want to hear because they just want to leave right um, yeah or get like treats or whatever like yeah 100 exactly um so an author of a book about the um his name's richard beck i believe um he wrote a book about the satanic panic and he's quoted in the article by us as saying uh that the allegations from these interviews uh, didn't move to full-blown Satanism or, like, satanic abuses immediately. 
Um, but there were like small steps along the way of just saying weirder and weirder things um, that sounded more like elaborate until it eventually got to like, that's why those weird things are happening is for this reason, because they're abusing you for satanic reasons. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> things around this time, because uh, this investigation took a while. Um, so things around this time became very exasperated throughout the U.S. as different law enforcement officials, lawyers, social workers saw these like crimes and and them being described as satanic ritual abuse um as like super credible and dangerous so then they eventually would gather like hearsay information from other people other quote-unquote experts like mike warnke who's a total sham um and put all of these like information packets pamphlets um things together and disperse them at different seminars and conferences so all of this mis misinformation, misconception, misleading information, hearsay stuff that may not even be properly verified um, is now being dispersed between communities of people who are seen as experts in their field, who are seen as knowledgeable, trusted people. And then now they're, they're the ones saying all this to the public. Of course, the public's going to believe 100%. them. So of course, they're going to get a parents to Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, not to mention that this time in uh, ages when you really see a lot of like TV networks and news networks really start to get big and like really drive for ratings mm -hmm. um, versus always being maybe the most oh, like verified yeah, and yeah, fact checked. True. That's never changed. Like new. Yeah, please sip. Like for that, for the matter of, I mean, how 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 can we as people who are in sort of a world where we don't know everything, mm -hmm. how else do we get? to be able to understand things that are happening in the world without tr like listening you and trust trusting. experts in yes. fields where right. they're going to verify why, their sources. This is why you would, people like you and I, we, we trust yeah. the doctors, we trust the government. Yeah. We trust, we trust a lot of the things that they yeah. tell us because they, I, we, we hope that safety is their So here, yeah. So then here's right? the thing is you have all these TV and news networks going, oh, well, people are in like such a big stir about this. People are going to watch this. Let's do a story on it. So, a bunch of different specials like you know like documentary like investigative specials things like that cropped off covering the widespread threat of satanism and the crimes that come with it as well as music movies games other media that could be seen as a cult or devil worship or like you know gateways to like that right. sort of those sort of beliefs so we're talking like again like i mentioned that's Dungeons and Dragons, heavy metal music, horror movies, shit like that, where it's like all of a sudden, you know, you go, this oh, could be why your actually... kid is, you know, being all moody up in the room and like acting weird. Or this is why, like, maybe your next door neighbor is a Satanist, you know, sacrificing babies in their basement. Like, it's all this kind of like crap, right? Wow. Um, one of the biggest ones was uh, one done by Hugh Downs for 2020 that like really threw everyone into a fervor. But then you've got like, Raldo doing stuff all the daytime talk shows had people like Mike Warnke on all the time um so you're uh, preaching yeah 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 exactly yeah. um so by 1986 prosecutors actually charged seven employees from McMartin with more than 100 counts of child molestation and conspiracy um a week later they dropped charges against five defendants citing weak evidence um despite that though all of the defendants that were charged all maintained their innocence 
Eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. By the oh, by, this point, the whole... hundred count. You're a hundred count. Well, because if you think about it, there's potentially like two hundred families exactly that are probably saying, "Oh, my kid says this happened to them." But that's crazy. I know that just, all of, just wait. All of them counted, and they had. They were like, "Yes, we could do that," and then they went through it all, and then nothing was proven. Just wait. Oh my. So goodness. at this point, the this specific case itself, rather than just the overarching like threat. Um, was an actual spectacle, and prosecutors continued to pursue this case despite growing doubts about the original accuser's story. Like I said, she later was uh, discredited. Diagnosed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a variety of different claims from the interviews with these kids that it just seemed very fantastical. Um, fantastical. Like some kids described a goat man witnessing bloody animal sacrifices, um, witnessing a school employee who who could fly, and then just uh, all, yeah. And then yeah, just yeah, also, as we said, they're fucking priests. Exactly. And then also dog. describing all these extreme acts of violence that left no physical marks on any child. Meanwhile, so the, everyone at the, like, the school founder, other officials at the school are like, there's no way that any of this happened. We don't do these things. That is not what's going so on here. All, all the parents and all this is about yeah. like, there's a lot of, the yeah. main thing is child abuse. Yeah. And nobody's got. Mind you, so one thing that they, oh my God. Okay, so in the podcast episode, um, they they covered McMartin, um, like I said, in the Satanic Abuse one. They were describing this one point that some of these other like claims that these kids had that they were like being, or sorry, that their parents were saying that the kids did, is that they were being, um, you know, actually the original mom, she said for her son, oh, he says that, you know, he was like flown to wherever and like witnessed this, that they kept them in like, um, like caverns and stuff and uh, witnessed these sacrifices and they were abused this way and that way. Um, mind you, this is all supposed to have taken place while there's supposed to be away at preschool between the hours of like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Right. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, yeah. How in the hell are they having this limited amount of time not raising any other big red flags everywhere else in the community let's be, going, let's, let's why are all these kids being shipped let's everywhere be else? Seven, seven hours is a lot of time to do damage you know what though but being flown like across the country yeah that's different if you're if you're explaining like across the country to a cavern yeah. have this happen come back yeah 100 yeah crazy just fantastical things happening so yeah um the trial would actually go on for quite a long time um, and during that time, you you see so many cases. There's just more and more prosecutors um, across the country starting up similar cases. There was one where, like, an actual guy who was a cop, um, for whatever reason, got accused by his daughters of abuse. And he got so convinced that, like, well, I raised my daughters not to lie. Maybe I'm just forgetting something. I repress these memories. So then he even began starting to believe it. But then eventually he was like, no, there's no effing way. His daughters oh, would later go on to be like, no, there's, I have no idea why. Yeah. Because everything had just been so coerced and flipped up and crazy. Um, and that's just one of many, many other cases. Right. So so, half, so a good chunk yes. of these parents are on one boat and the other are in it. Exactly. Yeah. So in 1990, things wrap up and a jury actually acquits the um, McMartin preschool defendants on some charges and then become deadlocked on others. So some of the charges, they're like, yeah, there's no way. And then some of the charges, um, it was probably like like straight down the middle split of some of them thought they were guilty and some people thought they weren't. Right. So even the jury couldn't agree. Um, so 
they basically the reasoning behind it was they said it was impossible to determine the truth from the children's testimony for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't have any other physical evidence. It's literally just, just the children's simple. testimony. It's just simple. Um. So a second. So they because there was like deadlocked, they prosecuted again. That second prosecution ended up in a mistrial, and at that point, I'm pretty sure I, from the from the article I was reading by Uhas, it was like fifteen million dollars that the prosecutions had spent at this point after true trials. They just dropped the case. They dropped all the charges. Um, so yes, maybe none of the McMartin people went away, but other people went away for like decades. Other not people, even so just what do you mean other people? like other people charged in other cases of satanic ritual abuse would be behind bars for like oh wow decades oh my god not just a few years or a few months decades because then those kids would grow up and go um actually no oh my god like, this didn't happen so so not the ones at the school not the McMartin people they were either it cases. was like some were acquitted and then some wow. of them it was like a mistrial but yeah yeah it was crazy wow how how does it go how Yep. So I cannot. I know. So over that, over time, as as we get later into like the late '80s and the '90s, um, because things had gotten to such a head, you see uh, places like National Child Abuse like organizations and other law enforcement officials start to investigate and go, "Is this really freaking happening? Like, we need some tangible proof here, because there's so many cases in which like there it, there's skepticism because." There's no tangible proof. Right. Um, so they start to look into these claims and and then releasing s- things that are saying, you know, these these can't be substantiated. These, you know, the the skepticism really should be a lot healthier here. There's no proof. Um, in particular, there was one FBI agent who was well known to be doing this. His name is Ken Lanning. Um, so he was referenced in the UHAS article as well as the Mike Warnke episode from last podcast. He spent the better part of a decade investigating 300 cases of ritual abuse, reported ritual abuse. Couldn't find a single shred of evidence that it was actually a thing, that either any of these crimes ended up happening or that, you know, it, any crimes that did happen, that that's why. Wow. Could not find Man's any job. Not a single shred of evidence. And basically, well, like, reported a bunch of materials going, listen, like, there's... There, this is not a proven threat that we need to be worried about. We need to be looking at other reasons why these why things may be happening. Or we need to understand how we're properly interrogating our interview. Yeah, 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 for sure. Exactly. Um, so like I said, for years and decades afterwards, various people had been locked up as a result of the satanic panic. Um, and basically, you know, they began to get released as like victims recanted. Like I sure, said, they grew sure. up. Um, appeals become successful because evidence can't be found and then, you know, they can't be prosecuted again. Yeah, as an inmate you go. Exactly. So speaking of such things, um, the other case that I want to touch on is the West Memphis 3 case. Sure. This is a very well-known case um, with some connection, with some very deep connections and examples to what satanic panic can truly lead to when it comes to cases and not getting properly I investigated. Get it. So this could be a whole GD episode all on its own. And if anyone wants me to do one on the never way- said that. Why did you say like that? This could be a whole GD episode. Okay. Just say goddamn. Okay. This could be a whole goddamn episode. You te- you definitely took that. It says GD. 
on here. Why? Because I'm trying to be. Anyways, <laughs> you've never said that before ever. Anyways, uh, anyways, anyways. Maybe you're trying to keep it nice for. I am. I am. Topic. I am. So this could be a whole episode on its own. If anyone ever wants me to talk about it, oh boy, I will. But this is easily one of the best and most tragic examples, like I said, of the dangers of the satanic panic. Um, and personally, in my opinion, one of the most haunting and influential true crime cases, um, especially as I have just been kind of on my own journey through true crime and like learning about cases and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in West Memphis, Arkansas, um, in 90... 91, 92. 92. Um, <laughs> huh? I... Okay. Anyways, uh, three boys were tragically murdered. Um, Michael Moore, C.V. Branch, and Christopher Byers. Um, and due to, literally, I'm going to read from my notes here, due to a deadly mixture of incompetence, misguided impressions, fear, anger, and teen hubris... Uh, three teen hubris. Yes, because the boys do admit that they definitely did not take things as seriously as they should have with, okay. when things first happened. Sure. Uh, three teens were sent away to prison for life, and one of them was sentenced to die. Holy. Damien Eccles, Jesse Miskelly, and Jason Baldwin would later be released, and don't even get me started on how fucked that was, by the way, in 2011 after nearly two decades behind bars. Oh my goodness yeah. gracious. So the West Memphis Three, as the teens were referred to, gained a large support from a lot of just regular people, as well as bigger caliber celebrities. Um, Natalie Maines from Dixie Chicks, Johnny Depp, um, guy from Pearl Jam, can't remember his name, um, but they would host like concerts, other events uh, to raise money for their defense and to raise awareness Holy for shit. these three teens that they believe- Oh, they're huge. That were wrongfully convicted. Um, so yeah, there was a fantastic, so actually, it took that long to get released. It took them like almost 20 years. Was it because there was actually substantial evidence or? No, it's because Arkansas. Oh yeah. The justice system is very flawed for people who get wrongfully convicted and it's infuriating when states don't want to admit that they lock someone up that they shouldn't have. Anyways. Um, like Arkansas. Peter Jackson also, um, so the guy who is most well known for directing the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, he also believed that these boys were wrongfully convicted, oh. put like millions of dollars towards their legal defense because these boys did not have the money. Savage. These men Peter did not. Peter Jackson. Oh my these, God. Yeah. These men did not have the money. Um, so a lot of all well, this fundraising was great. Age and then. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, he also um, was involved in producing a documentary. Um, Amy Berg, I believe, directed it um, called West of Memphis. I have watched it a couple of times now. Oh, interesting. It is very well done. Uh It is very fair um, compared to some other documentaries that I'll get into. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, You don't have time, by the way. But I know. Well, like, I'll just talk about it really quickly. Um, But I would highly recommend it if you're interested in this case. Um, So these people are calling for the men to be released um, would actually the among them would actually be some of the parents of the murdered children because over time they started to realize that the yes that these boys were railroaded that the investigation was not done properly stayed locked up and they stayed locked up um particularly stevie branch's mom and um christopher byer's stepdad um they both were big proponents by the end of it 
um, of saying, no, these guys do not need to be in prison right now. They are not. I don't believe that they were properly convicted. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, a lot of initial credit is due to the HBO um, Paradise Lost documentaries to keep attention onto the case. Um, so credit is due to that, although these documentaries were very exploitative um, and they did not... Um, they they really took advantage of multiple people involved in the case, particularly Damien Eccles and um, Mark Byers, which is Christopher Byers' uh, stepdad. And it just it was just it was they weren't good, but credit is due to the fact that they kept attention on the case. That that's fair, yeah. Yes. So the boys were largely convicted on a coerced confession from Jesse Miss Kelly, who was definitely slower minded and didn't really understand. Um, so detectives seem to have really fed off of that. And the same type right. of tactics I that you would see of leading questions, bribery, things like that um, with like, you know, yeah. the the children who would be, you know, questioned about like abuses. S- same sorts of tactics were used. Also doesn't help that Damien Eth- Eccles was like the epitome of a goth kid in a small southern town. Right. And he also definitely. Were they all friends then? Like were actually three... funnily enough. Damien and Jason were like best buds. Yeah. Jesse barely knew the other two. Oh my goodness. And that's a whole other thing. Right. And this is why this could be a whole other episode because there's so many factors at play here. Yeah. So uh, the but time, like you could. Damien definitely didn't do any of the boys any favors. He was, he even admits it in his own book that he writes afterwards. He's like, I was a jerk kid. I thought I was smarter than these dumb hick idiots Idiot who adults. accused me of a crime that there's no way I could have done it. And he. Had- so you're a snob piece of shit well no he wasn't a snob but well you're definitely gonna be a piece of crap to well he just he thought you know he's a teenager and he's like there's no way i did this so like whatever be a dick yeah yeah yeah. exactly um he also came from a very like rough upbringing so it's you know that's gonna put a bit of your of a chip on your shoulder um and kind of make you feel other yourself and make you feel othered compared to everybody else and him and jason especially had a lot of belief in the legal system that they wouldn't be charged for a crime they didn't commit and they were convicted. Wow. Um, and it doesn't help that um, there was this like uh, juvenile officer in the town that had a hard on for seeing Damien locked up. Um, so fuck you, Jerry Draper. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, so one of the most tragic things about this case is that due to the type um Sorry, I think I like made a typo here. That's fine. Um, oh, sorry. One of the most tragic things about this case is that due to the type of deal that the West Memphis Three had to make in order to actually leave prison, um, basically um, they did an Alford plea, which is basically saying admitting, ad- like saying you're not guilty, but that the state has enough evidence to prove that you are, even though the state didn't. Right. That was the only pl- the deal that was going to be on the table for them to be able to leave prison. And Damien really? was about to die. He was very close, close to being to executed. Room. Right. He yeah. was being very close to being executed. So they had to admit, basically admit to the crime. Saying that, that like, okay, I'm saying I'm not guilty, but I can understand that if you, we were go to trial, the case could. Yeah. Oh. So basically it's saying you're guilty, but saying you're not guilty. It's like a really messed up. Oh, so basically it's like, yeah, you, I'm, I'm not guilty, but you have enough evidence to prove yeah. you're wrong. And then, oh my God. And then basically that? that wraps a neat little bow on it for the state of Arkansas and prosecutors. And we will never actually be able to get a proper investigation to find out who truly committed the crime against the boys. 
So there were, yeah, so there was so a crime there. We oh my will, goodness. There are lots of theories, one of which I highly subscribe to because of the nature of the crime. I'm not going to get into it because that's not what this episode's about. Um, however, um, yes, we will never actually get someone else properly investigated or convicted. Wow. Yes. Um, so what are we at right now for time? Um, we, we should probably be wrapping up. Okay. Um, I am not So do you have get... wrap-up notes? There, I... I'm going to, there's one part I'm not going to get into because it's a little bit longer and I don't necessarily know now reading through things more that I want to give a lot of airtime to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one, see, that last story definitely touched on probably a topic that is probably making some people's uh, steam come out of people's ears. I honestly get right, I think about that case on so the I missed the So I missed the first part. So kids did die. In the West Memphis three, yes, yeah. so three kids were murdered. Three kids were murdered. The whole thing with the case was that because of how extreme it was, I don't want to get into uh, there like, were like... the details of it because it is quite horrific, right? Um, and I'm I'm sure okay, not so... everyone listening to our podcast wants to hear it. Um, but because of the nature of the crime, a lot of these guys were thinking, oh well, somebody evil had to have been involved. Okay, well, great, you've got this goth kid in town who is potentially, you know has a coven and is doing like you know sabbath rituals that's probably what it was for then mind you a bunch of the things that they were attributing to satanic ritual abuse within what was done to the boys easily explained away as animal activity and things like that yeah yeah. uh and the place that they were they found the boys were found in just environmental damage to the bodies um so that's the infuriating part as well of all this is that it's a lot of just like misguided tunnel vision because a few people thought, and again, it's pressure. Three young, innocent boys die, and you don't have an explanation. Yeah. You're going to just go tunnel vision for the Well, that's why we source. still get, like, we still, and that's what we still see today. Like, I, like, it's crazy to think that there's, that. that's obviously the extreme cases, but we still see it that we want to, we want to pick out the ease, the obvious, quote unquote, obvious, stereotypical, whatever you want to yeah. call it, source of of an issue right and because because uh, the unfortunate part is that in the majority of situations that is accurate um what that's like i shouldn't say that it's accurate but like it happens to be that you know that's why they that's why people do it you know what i mean like that's why you pick out the easiest person in the crowd because that has proven in the past to be um I get. I'm sorry. I think I get what you're trying to get at. I don't necessarily know that I agree all the way with. I it understand. You don't have in to. the way you're phrasing it. So I would. I don't agree with myself talking, either. I if just, you're talking about it in the sense of like nine times that here's the here's the problem with it too is like satanic panic, and the ritual abuse and like blaming it for crimes, lends to the fact that there's like strangers committing these acts mm-hmm. to people. Right. Nine times out of ten, someone gets severely abused or murdered. It's because of someone close to them. Right. Stranger danger, because that was big around this time as well, isn't it nearly as prevalent and much a less likely root of a crime happening to someone versus a like personally motivated crime. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was another thing that got touched on um with the West Memphis three cases that like the parents were barely interviewed at the beginning of it even though even then every cop should know that like if something happens to a kid you are figuring out what the parent what's right. going on with the parents first right. and foremost right. beyond anything else yeah 
Yeah, I guess all I'm saying is that, yeah, unfortunately, though, like, yeah, what you were going to say, I think nine times out of 10, if you line up certain suspects, you know, or not nine times, eight times, whatever you want to call it, like, you pick, if you just were to randomly pick because that's, like, the most, like, guilty-looking suspect out of whatever you consider guilty, out of whatever visual aspect, you're going to be, nine times out of 10, you're going to be, you know, closer to, you know, accurate, you know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I don't know if that is true. I don't know if that's changed over time. But like that's why people went so jump the gun on. That's the victim because they look a certain way. That because they act a certain way. Because that's You mean the like the the suspect? Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you're trying to pick a suspect. That's all I'm saying. Well, like I I like I think I get what you, I I get what you mean in the sense of it's easy to blame somebody that looks other looks different don't necessarily agree with that's like a surefire answer because that's no, the no, it's point of all of this no, it's definitely no it's, it's definitely not. not correct i'm not accurate. i'm not okay. giving credit to any okay. of it all i'm saying is that that's like where it kind of where i see that people in that time people still do that now people yes yes, that now. yes sorry i get what you're saying i get what you're getting at in the sense of like it's still we didn't have on. things like we didn't have technology like we do now where you have a lot of you know, ability to help you. But, and honestly, yeah. that still even happens now, despite all the technology. Exactly. Um, yeah. Sorry, I get I get what you mean now. I think it's just you were talking too far into making it sound like you like that by them doing that, it, they were probably right from the beginning anyway, no, 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 which is no, no, not no, the no, case. No, so I'm just saying like, it's unfortunate that this kid was picked up because he was gothy and you know he had that yeah. like way to it and he came from like a very like poor fa- like right like, like poor you, family like, you see that so he's automatically gonna get looked down on and targeted by officials right in movies and tv and that's the, the unfortunate part is that when there are in other if you look at other um crimes that happen you can see mm-hmm. that sometimes they do pick the person who's most likely the suspect because of just the way they look and act and uh treat others and where they well, just someone that it's, it, well, it's even just like someone's true. the easiest to blame for something, and is so believable because of other prejudices yeah. and stereotypes that no one's going to question it. Right? Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, no. Those. Thank you so much. By the way, that yeah. was incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, very. I'm very fired up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So one example specifically when it comes to like pop culture influences that, like you said, you know, I wanted to touch on again, but we touched on it earlier. Um, was just the idea of Stranger Things and Eddie's character. Um, it's actually at least partially based on the kind of the, um, the you know, button-pushing kid who's, like, really kind of, like, good at heart but puts on, like, a, a grungier oh, front, um, uh, like Damien Eccles. Um, and his storyline very much mirrors the type of hysteria misjudgment and danger from those targeted by people believing that they are proponents yeah of and also and then also the, the authority in that time if you actually watch stranger things uh season four you'll see the similar situation mm-hmm. where this kid is very wrongly treated and not even yeah. by the authorities not even by all those but like by the freaking the one jock kid who yeah. immediately jumped on him yeah and and that happened right and that's where you get backed up stupid shit of like people saying you know he is the weird kid so exactly must have done it and that's terrible um yeah but so to wrap things up yes please i kind of have these last few points that are like almost like a story about um so one of the more interesting parts of the satanic panic is the light it sheds on other problems in society that needs attention so things we've already kind of touched on uh things like flaws in the criminal justice system investigative strategies 
influences of media and the kind of intertwining control of like religion and politics to a lot of legislation and stuff and beliefs kind of like get pulled from that. Um, while many may see the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s to be a relic of hysteria in an era that we knew a lot less about the world around us, um, the argument can be made that it grew to such a sweeping phenomenon um, from the roots of much more long-lasting fears and prejudices that we are still suffering consequences of it today. 100%. Which is- 100%. That's that's what it was, what it was touching on, yeah. is that it's unfortunate that, you know, we just can't figure it out. Yeah. So- um, wow. Yeah. Crazy story. And I sc- scratched the surface, guys. This is, like, this, it's this a this lot is, of information. Is, these rabbit holes always just scratch the surface because mm-hmm. the thing is, is that we could go literally forever and we could talk multiple episodes, um, but we have a time limit here. So um, let's give a round of applause uh, for Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. For Ryan again uh, for doing all of the heavy lifting of this episode. Um really great stories um mm-hmm. and that that's inc- that's incredible it's that's kind of what i understand i think that's what i knew i think i knew that part of of the satanic panic but mm-hmm. to hear what some of these folks so what to hear what people in life have to go through uh-huh like uh-huh. Wow. it's wild like imagine, imagine like i understand having to like go through shit because mm-hmm. you know shit just happens to you mm-hmm. but like to be falsely accused like what are you freaking henry allen like what is this like this is crazy to me. Yeah. I don't. I it makes no. No, sense. I hear you, dude. Especially on like eyewitness testimony of a child who you probably know has been like talked into saying what yeah. they're saying and having. <laughs> and then imagine, imagine knowing that you're innocent and like, no, like, and knowing that they got coerced and having every other reasonable adult around you go, "Yeah, that kid sounds about right." Yeah, you look like you're someone who could have done that, and you're like, "What did I step into a Twilight Zone version of this world?" Because right. what the break is going on it's insane um but uh a really good topic i think um so thanks so much again important topic um if you guys enjoyed let us know what other rabbit hole categories topics you'd want to see for the future maybe a part two of this one if you're really interested no if you want me to dive into west memphis three don't don't want me to ramble for an hour and 45 minutes about it on here but you want to have a convo about it over social media send me a dm i will gladly talk about this case i think it needs to be talked about more even n- after the bo- the men have been released. From what I know now, I we can agree. learn a lot from a case from like what that. I know, I agree. Um, don't hesitate to reach out. We are always our DMs are always open. Yes. Um, and with that being said, that's the episode. That's it. We love you guys, and we will catch you guys next week. Peace.